And we're back now with our fifth episode of Calling All Halos. My name is Sam Blum. I'm joined once again alongside my co-host, Connor Grossman. Hello, Connor. How are we doing? I am uh, I'm good, and I'm going to remember to do something that I haven't done in the first four episodes, which is please <laughs> subscribe and, and rate us five stars. I, I always ask people to do that at the end of the episode, which is one I remember. And now... As we I learn think how the to end become... is a good time. People will have had several minutes to make a judgment as how to, as to how they feel about our episode. I think the beginning it's a little little presum- presumptuous. That's true. I'm going to ask both though, both times, so to remind people to do that because you know it's it helps us. I think uh, we've had good reviews so far, and we really appreciate everybody who's listened. You know, as we uh, navigate through uh, what's an otherwise kind of unknown medium for myself and for Connor, so uh, appreciate. You know, everyone, uh, everyone for tuning in. We're going to talk, uh, talk the first month of the season today. I mean, it's been an interesting, interesting start to the year. The Angels are 15 and 14, and I don't know if that, that record necessarily does the, does justice to the roller coaster that it's felt like um, thus far. Mm. But I think the big picture topic we're going to try to answer is, are the, you know, after a month of the year, are the Angels good? I mean, that's going to be the big question this whole season. So how do we feel after, after one month now through April, uh, you know, as things really kind of get, uh, get heated up? Yeah, I think uh, I like to say to uh, my friends that follow the Giants, and I think it applies just the same to the Angels, the road to 81 and 81 has many highs and many lows, but ultimately, after 162, you reach your equilibrium. The Giants appear well on their way there. They had a five-game winning streak, followed by a three-game losing streak, and the Angels, I know they are above 500 for now. Uh, We'll see if they can hang on. Are they good? I don't know. I don't, you know, they're interesting in the sense that, like, they just, you know, they haven't had, like, a five-game winning streak. Uh, you know, I don't even know if they've had a three-game losing streak necessarily. It feels, I guess they did lose those three games to the Red Sox. But, I mean, it's it's not necessarily been a lot of streaks. It just feels like they go, they win a game, they lose a game, they win two, they lose two. It's like, it, it, you know, it, it's it, it's been a little bit of a bipolar start here. Uh, and, and I think you have to take into account the, the teams that they've played. I mean, the Angels have had... Two series against the A's, who I think might be one of the worst teams of all time, and we'll talk more about the A's at the end of this episode. Um, you know, they've had a series at home against the Royals. They've had a series at home against uh, the the Nationals, right? So the you know they've it's not necessarily the toughest schedule yet, and you know I mean some of the teams that maybe we thought would be a little better, like the Mariners and the Red Sox, haven't fared that well. So it's it's um. It's, it's schedule's about to get a lot tougher, and I think we'll learn even more and be able to answer this question even better in those next two weeks, maybe. But you know, for right now, I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think? Is this team is this team any good, Connor? We brought this up uh, a little bit on the last episode, and just to catch everyone up here, after a month in, you look at the Angels standing uh, across the American League. Uh, their team OPS, probably the best measure of the team's offensive output. They're fifth in the American League. The offense, at least on paper, pretty good. Top five in the AL. ERA is a pitching staff, seventh in the American League, so middle of the road. Um, and again, you just look at those two tiny data points on paper. They don't tell you a whole lot, but they kind of tell you that the Angels are a team that, you know, should be pretty good. At the very least, those numbers would indicate the Angels are not pretty bad. But then, to your point a second ago, Sam, about kind of the breakdown of playing winning teams and losing teams they're four and four and nine against teams with a winning record and they're 11 and five against teams with a losing record so in a sense they're doing half their job and that you know they're beating the teams they should 
But when it comes to playing, you know, the teams that they're trying to believe that they are, which are, you know, winning teams, playoff bound teams, you know, that's an area you probably need to go around 500 in at least if you want to have a great shot at the playoffs. And, you know, they haven't had a a huge sample size of winning teams in the first month. But like you said, it's going to get tougher in the coming weeks. And they're really going to have to prove that they can hold their own. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know... it's it's interesting because you read off those numbers and and I think and I look at this roster and I think sometimes when they get a lead in games I mean they've had a lead I think in all but um, maybe uh, I guess they didn't have a lead the first two games in Milwaukee but um, you know before that they had had a lead in all but three games I mean you know and then one of them if they didn't ended up going extra innings in New York so it was it was they were in every game and they were losing a lot of games that, that really they should have and so I think you can look at that in two ways one way is Okay, well, um, you know they should uh, they should have a better record, and the other is well maybe they will have a better record because if you believe that over the course of 162 games, you know what should happen generally is what will happen, um, then maybe this team is better than uh, you know what their 15 and 14 record says right now. Um, but you know I'm also not really a believer in, in that, that type of stuff. Like I really think that they're a 15 and 14 team. They deserve that record. I mean they you know their bullpen isn't just losing games by accident. It's because this is you know who their bullpen is and the personnel in there and the choices that are being made to put those players in the positions to either succeed or fail. And so, you know, the, their bullpen are in and, and, and their overall success there is not, uh, is not bad. I don't think it's, it's more just that they've kind of fallen apart at the wrong time. I mean, Andrew Wance and Jaime Berea have been two of their most reliable, uh, reliable relievers, but, uh, yeah. look what happened when they played the A's on Monday. I mean, Wance walks the first two guys of the ninth and Berea comes in and all of a sudden, you know, the whole thing falls apart. So it's, uh, you know... Yeah, seems- I was going to say, you look at a lot of their relievers on paper, uh, Matt Moore, too, has been great, and you look at the numbers and you're like, wow, like, you know, they have some reliable arms in there, at least a few weeks in, um, but would you say that maybe the bullpen has been let down by the wrong guys being put into the wrong spots? You know, it's it's like, I think anything, if anything, like, you know, you're still figuring out who to put, who to use where and when. Uh, sure. You know, Jose Quijada was being used a lot. Uh, it's safe situations early on. He was actually doing pretty well, and then his last two opportunities, I mean, have gone completely haywire. Uh, you know, so it's more about, okay, well, he might not be the most reliable guy that you can put in. I mean, now he's on the IL, but he was, you know, he came in the other day on, uh, I believe it was Thursday, and was, you know, his fastball was like an 89 at one point. I mean, he's he's a guy that could throw up to like 97. So it's it's concerning when his velocity is, is that low. Um, you know, there's, you know, it's tough. I mean, I, it's so hard to, to really pinpoint, okay, is this bullpen any good? You know, is the starting rotation any good? I mean, that's another question. It's, you know, I think that they've had guys, they have guys that you think should be a lot better this year. I mean, Sandoval and, and Detmers, I mean, these are guys who they're going to rely on pretty much as their two and three starters, uh, you know, and Detmers is a guy who improved, I think, over the offseason. He's throwing his ball harder, his fastball harder. I mean, he's, he's you know, improved his slider, I think, and obviously he had those mechanical issues in the middle of last year. Um, but listen, I mean, he's not performed that that well, especially in his last start against Milwaukee. I mean, so you, you, you wonder, is, you know, is, is he 100%, uh, you know, mechanically lined up? Is everything going well for him? Because obviously his, some of the, the walks and he was allowing some hard contact in his last start. Um, but... You know, I just I have a hard time looking at this rotation and saying, okay, this is these guys are locked down ace type pitchers besides Otani. Right. Um, but were, it's also not a bad early. rotation. I know, I know it's only April, but if you were going to project ahead, 
two, three months, assuming everything stays relatively the same, which is not a good assumption to make. Do you look at the starting rotation as an area that, you know, Perry might look to improve at the trade deadline? Does that seem like where the team's, you know, best use of resources would be put? I would be surprised if they do, just because I actually do think, I mean, I think when you really get down to it, the Angels have a good rotation. I mean, it's not, you know, I think they have not performed to the best of their abilities at this point of this year season. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, yeah, they're going to have other areas. I mean, it's going to be the bullpen. I think that's, that's yeah. what they're going to need to add. I think they're going to want to add a, you know, maybe a closer type. I mean, Carlos Estevez has looked really good, but you're going to want to have another guy. I mean, good playoff teams have two or three closers really. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, uh, they might look, you think uh, the rotation, the guys they have, that's just, you know, for the most part, who they're going to have to lean on if they're going to get where they want to get. Yeah. I that's, mean, and, and there's some depth there. I mean, I mean, look at what they brought up Chase Silseth the other day and he's had a really clean start to his major league season. Uh, he's in the bullpen now, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there was a need in that rotation. If say Suarez, um, you know, the, you know, he had a good start today, but if, if that kind of goes downhill, uh, as it had the first four starts of the year, they could use Silseth, they could use Tucker Davidson has been really good out of the pen. Um, you know, I think that these guys are are reliable, and you can use them in the rotation. So I think that the rotation building blocks are all there. They don't necessarily need to go there and shop unless unless like somebody gets hurt or a couple guys get hurt or somebody turns out to be wildly ineffective that they maybe were expecting uh, to have a better season than they were having. Otherwise, I think that their biggest need is probably going to be catcher. Losing Logan Ohapi yeah. has been huge. You know, that's going to be a problem. And they also don't have Max Dassey right now. And, you know, as far as I'm aware, I was not in Milwaukee this weekend, but as far as I'm aware, there's not a substantive update on when he's going to be returning. Probably learn more, hopefully, this upcoming week. I'll be in St. Louis for that. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it, there's just not necessarily a, a good catching situation right now. I mean, I think Chad Wallach mm-hmm. and Matt Dice have filled in okay, but it's, you know, you, you know, you're losing out on the production that Ohapi is bringing. Yeah, 100%. And I know, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Ohapi was involved in the Brandon Marsh trade. Yeah, there was a, it was a one for one swap. It, it's kind. Of, I mean, I you know I know Ohapi was off to a great start, and hopefully he recovers and can continue that. Um, you know, when he returns, if he returns this season, um, it's just kind of crazy. I mean, Brandon Marsh is off to like this unbelievable start with the Phillies, and you rarely see in baseball like you, it seems like you rarely see a one for one trade. And then to have both sides of the trade, at least for, you know, if only for three weeks, you know, play exceptionally well, um, just as a baseball fan, kind of cool to see. Not something that happens so often. Baseball trades have become uber complicated. And to have a one-for-one swap of, you know, two pretty touted young players pan out again for three weeks, uh, it was still pretty cool. I mean, I, I think this. I mean, not to rehash every deal that's been made. I, I do think the Brandon Marsh, you know, breakout is does not reflect well necessarily on the way the Angels really coached him. Sure. I mean, he was he sure. looked awful really the first couple months of the season last year, and he was in Anaheim, I and mean, he couldn't yep. led the majors in strikeout rate. I mean, it was he was, you know, and he came to the Phillies, and I don't know, I mean, he didn't necessarily light the world on fire at the end of last year, but he was, you know, his OPS I think was mid seven hundred, so he was. He was doing pretty well, um, you know, and, and obviously now he's one of the better hitters on that team. Right. So it's in just the interesting. League. In the league. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, he's probably, like, you know, one of the best hitters in baseball right now. Or at least he's hitting that well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Ohapi, too. He was having a, you know, I think you could have looked at Logan Ohapi and said, this guy's on track to, you know, be a rookie of the year candidate. Yeah, um, so, and certainly, a, you know, I still think he's going to be the catcher of their future. But, you know, there's not, they just don't really have a lot of depth there right now without these two guys that we kind of thought as being the two starters or, you know, 
maybe a starter and backup, and now you're kind of on your third and fourth string catchers. Mm-hmm. And really beyond that, there's nobody. Uh, I, wouldn't say, I shouldn't say nobody, but there's not really a, you know major league viable options at AAA right now. And so then you're what do you you're going to be looking at maybe someone like Edgar Caro who's a 20 year old prospect and I asked Perry if they'd consider bringing him up and he didn't say no and so that's you know that shows I think one this is just kind of how the Angels operate they're going to bring up who they think can help them win right now it's a desperate year they need to win and if they think someone who's you know just turned 20 years old two weeks ago is that guy then they're probably going to call him up whether or not they think he's ready even though you know he probably is years away from being someone that I think most major league teams would call up. Uh, but we'll see if that if it gets to that point. Maybe they'll look outside the organization. I know your Giants signed uh, um, Gary Sanchez, and so yeah, you know. Maybe Interestingly enough, I can say uh, so. They signed Gary Sanchez. His opt out. We're going to know if he's on the Giants or not by the time people are listening to this. He can opt out of his contract May first if he's not in the major leagues. And the Giants have Joey Bart, who number former number two pick, not been super great the last couple seasons. He's had a good first month of this year. But interestingly enough, they also their other catcher on the roster right now is a guy, Blake Sable, who the Giants took in the, the Rule 5 draft, meaning that he has to stay on the roster the entire season, the Major League roster, the whole year. And if the Giants don't want him on the roster, then they have to give him back to the Pirates. Um, and he's doing pretty great. I mean, Rule 5 success stories are few and far between because of the strict rules that guys have to stay on the roster. But the Giants uh, president of baseball ops, Farhan Zaidi, basically said, we want him on the roster because catching depth around the league is pretty thin. So when you look at a team like the Angels, who are searching for options, and one of those options might be a really young prospect in the minor leagues, more than ever, they might have to consider that option um, just because what's available might not be that much of an upgrade. And I do think one of my favorite things about just this era of baseball we're in is kind of the fearlessness that teams have shown in calling up, you know, even teenagers. And I know some of those teenagers are like a Juan Soto or a Ronald Acuna and not every prospect. In fact, nearly every prospect is not those guys. But teams have shown it seemingly more than ever just a fearlessness in calling players up and putting them, you know, in positions to prove what they can do. And it's a dangerous game, but... um, you know, I'd be watching super closely if the Angels decided to do that. Yeah, I think it's that's a good point. I mean, the you know, I, I I think that they would call Edgar Caro up right now if someone were to get hurt because there's just not, you know, they have a guy named Chris Oakey at AAA who played like two games for the Reds last year. But other than that, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know if that's who they're going to want to have, you know, on their team, on their major league team in a year where they feel like they have to win and maybe they'll just say roll the dice with someone like Caro and, and really pray that it works out. But yeah, I mean, someone if 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 like as you kind of laid out with the Giants situation, if someone like Sanchez becomes available, I mean, I'm sure they'll like you know. Oh yeah. Send a limousine and have him, <laughs> you know. Drive, they will send Mike Trout in a limousine <laughs> to pick up Gary yeah. Sanchez from AAA Sacramento. Yeah. To get him to Anaheim ASAP. And I don't even know if they put him on the active roster right now. I think that you know they might just well, they would just want to have someone. That that is reliable in AAA right now if they need him because it's it, it, they're it, they're playing a dangerous game right now with catcher just in terms of who they have available so it's it's yeah that's yeah. it's a concerning situation on that level um, I think also just to finish up on the catching situation I think an underrated part of the discussion or at least kind of an alternate viewpoint of any time a team has a lot of turnover with their catchers is also the the effect in a negative way, the negative effect that can have on a pitching staff as a whole. 
And, you know, it's hard. It's something that's hard to quantify, but there's definitely a comfortability or familiarity that I think most pitchers, starters and relievers like to have with their catcher. And, you know, not having that consistency, you know, it only adds another layer of complexity to a guy who's maybe struggling to get in a rhythm. Yep. I mean, and, and that was something that Ohapi was really good at. So it's, you know, they, I mean, that, that injury is, uh, I mean, it's just devastating on so many levels. It's just for everybody. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it just sucks for baseball. I mean, this guy was, was going to be in, like I mentioned, a contention, I think for rookie of the year, he was, you know, he's also just a good person, uh, just dealing with yeah. him every day. It's, it's tough. Like you see somebody kind of go through that. Um, but you know, obviously hope that, uh, he recovers. He seems to believe that, you know, that four to six month timeline is going to be on the four month end of it, not the six month end of it. So, you know, if that, if that does hold true, he, he'll be back and maybe having a chance to contribute, uh, toward the end of the year. But I mean, I wouldn't, I don't, I just think the angels have to operate under the assumption that he's not going to be back this year and you hope that he does, but you can't, oh. you know, you can't assume that and you can't really, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but you have to, you I just think, have the, to I think the onus is on the angels to prove that this injury is not something that defines their season. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's such a good point because I feel like every year, the two hundred say every, I've covered this team for two years and it always feels like there's an injury or injuries that kind of get brought up in the context of why their season fell apart. And, you know, listen, uh, they lost a lot of games after Rendon got hurt last year. And, and, uh, that was, it did hurt them. Right. But it's also not, I just don't want, I hate that excuse because, you know, I went and did a story at the be- at the end of, uh, last season where after Perry said that he felt like the team was better than their record. And I thought that was just a ridiculous comment because you're never better. I mean, it's, as I said it earlier in this podcast, you're never better than your record. You are where your record is. That's just what you are. You won and lost the game has been fair and square. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I went and looked at like, and he kind of brought up injuries to kind of explain that. And I was like, this team does not have more injuries than other teams. You know, yeah. this is, it's not, they're not, they're not like particularly injury prone. I mean, they've had some pretty critical ones, but that's just only because there's not many people behind these critical players. And that's always been the problem. Losing Mike Trout in 21, obviously that's going to be enormously devastating. Losing Anthony Rendon, that's devastating too. Um, but I mean, you can't lose Logan Ohapi and then throw your hands up and say, well, okay, well, that's why we lost this year. Because, yeah, I mean, it, right. it hurts your worst team without him, but then it's also on you to have backups. It's on you to have a roster that can that can still compete without this guy. And, and, that, and let's be honest, nobody came into this year thinking he'd be as good as he showed he could be in those first three weeks. And so whatever you got out of him in those first few weeks was kind of icing on the cake to begin with. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think as a sports fan, I've kind of decided in the last like year or so, pretty recently, my least favorite game to play is the when we're fully healthy game. Yep. Because I don't care what sport it is, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever, you're almost never always fully healthy. And always just, you're just, by saying that, you're kicking the can down the road and you got to play and win the games that are right in front of you today. So you're right. Yeah, they probably didn't expect, they almost certainly didn't expect Ohapi to be as much of a contributor as he was and you know the fact that he was that's gravy but um they can't be sitting here today and being like well when we're fully healthy and i know it's harder to do that when it's an almost season-ending injury but still it's a dangerous game to play the it's completely on the angels to prove that this injury doesn't define their season and if it does then they're setting themselves up for five months of disappointment yeah and and uh you know we'll see i mean it's it's I don't think that's going to be what they say, but you know, it always kind of, I always kind of hear it at the moment, right when everything kind of falls apart. Was, well, that's when the injury excuse comes up, and you know, I, I don't necessarily think that that's where they're going to go this year. Uh, I don't think that this injury is going to define them, but 
you know, I hope that uh, if it does get to the point where they're not in the playoff race, that they don't look at an injury or two and say that that's the reason. Because, I, you know, I just, you know, there's just, at some point, the organization is going to have to win or just win or lose, right? Like, and, and just kind of own the fact that it's, it's, it goes beyond bad luck or good luck. It's, you know, there's, I sometimes think that, you know, uh, when you uh, win or lose, like, you, you know, when you win, it's always, well, we played really well and we lose, it's just bad luck. And, and I, I hate that, right? Like, and you lose, yeah, sometimes there's bad luck and sometimes there's good luck when you win. But, you know, you have to, you have to, if you're going to take ownership of the wins, I think you got to take ownership of the losses too. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's, there's so, so much season left. I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs this year. I think that, you know, if anyone thought they were going to cruise to a playoff spot, sorely mistaken. I think if anyone thought that they were going to be, you know, out of it by the end of this April, then they're also sorely mistaken. It's gonna be it's gonna be a you know dogfight the whole year, and you know this division is is so far not necessarily the toughest one. So the AL East is looking really tough. The AL West, on the other hand, I mean, there's this is there's some winnable games, and the Astros are, you know, they're they're not playing the best baseball right now, and so there's gonna be opportunities for for the Angels to to stay alive in this race, even if they don't play, you know, great baseball, they don't go on a massive run. Um, yeah. So. I think I think to answer the question that we threw at the top of the pot, are the Angels good? My feeling right now is that they're good enough. And that's, you know, for now, that's all that matters as they basically sit tied with the Astros in the standings looking up at the Texas Rangers of all teams. Um, I do feel like the Angels have shown that so far, four weeks into the season, you know, the right pieces are on the roster to be good enough. Totally agree. To yeah, I think they're good enough. I think they just gotta need. They just need to clean this S H I star up like a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, that's what it comes down to. I mean, they need to clean it up. Like the the errors are not good. Uh, some of these mental yeah. mistakes are not good. Uh, you know, bullpen blowing it late in games against the Royals and A's. I mean, they should have been seven and zero on that homestand. There's just no other reason, no other way to look at it. They were set, they were five those and two. Are things, those are things that happen yeah. to teams that event inevitably fall back to five hundred. Yeah, yeah. You need to just clean, they if they clean it up. You're totally right about the roster. I think that their rotation is good. I think that their offense, their lineup is potent. I think that their bullpen has enough there that if you can survive to the trade deadline, you can add at that point. And and all of that will mean a competitive season. It will mean 162 games with Otani. It will mean you know putting yourself in position to make the playoffs, but it, it's, they got to clean it up. And I think if they do, they'll actually be, be, be far more competitive. Um, you know, we're going to learn, like I said, we're going to learn a lot the next couple of weeks because the schedule, I mean, is, is going to, it's changing. It's going to get harder, you know, even yeah. facing the Cardinals on the road, this Cardinals team has had an awful start to the year. I mean, just awful. But at the end of the day, they're still the Cardinals are still at home. And then you're going to go to, uh, then you have to get the Rangers at home, you get the Astros at home. Get the uh, Guardians on the road. You get the Orioles on the road, and the Orioles are really good this year so far. So yeah. it's, there's a lot of tough games coming up, and they're going to learn a lot about this team in the next two weeks. Um, yeah, it's a lot of measuring stick series. Like, are the Angels the team they want to be? Well, you're going to find out when you play the teams that have kind of been there, done that, or the teams that are at least riding a hot streak. Yep. Um, One thing know, I wanted to. What did you say? Oh, I said, how do you measure yeah. up? Is you know the question they have to answer. One thing I wanted to do, I thought it'd be a fun exercise, and I know I had you think about this before we got on, but I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on the, the highlight of this season so far, and the low light of the season so far. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'll start, and then I want you to think a little deeper about what you want to say while I'm talking. But I'm, uh, I'm gonna go the highlight. I'm gonna do some recency bias because today uh, the Angels beat, or on Sunday because maybe this will be posted tomorrow. Um, the Angels beat the Brewers three nothing. 
really their best win of the year, I thought. I mean, the Brewers are playing great. They won the first two games of the series. Um, but the reason why I'm picking it is because Jose Suarez had, I mean, we talked about it a little earlier. He had just been terrible the first four games. I mean, in his last start, he allowed five home runs in two-plus innings and eventually ended up getting through five innings. But his five first five home runs were allowed with having recorded six outs. Uh, it was just awful. Um, so, you know, I mean, the fact that they even kept him in the rotation, I was shocked at. I really was. I was genuinely shocked that he got another start. But, listen, that's not why I'm I'm not managing these games, and maybe that's the good thing. I'm not reactive. I'm not listening to what people are saying on Twitter. You know, I'm not, you know, necessarily uh, the uh, the arbiter of what should be happening in these in these big big decisions. And I was shocked that they, uh, they kept him in the rotation. But look what he did. Five shutout innings today. You know, I still think he still has more to prove that he can, you know, go a third time through the order, that he can, you know, be successful on a consistent basis. A lot to prove. But this was a good step for him. And the Angels are going to need him because, really, they can't DFA him. And, um, you know, uh, putting him in the bullpen, I'm not sure that's much better of a solution either, given how often this bullpen's kind of been needed to work. And so there's a, you know, it, 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 they need him to be good. And, and the fact that he was today, I think, is really good for their chances. Um of just kind of staying afloat, winning games. Um, so that's what I'm going to put today's win as the highlight for this team. The low light, I'm going to rewind us back about eight days. Wait, wait, wait. I, let's let's yeah. keep it positive and then jump to negative. Okay, what's I your highlight? With my highlight? Yes. Recently, um, Otani's most recent start against the A's uh, really was not a great start. Let up five runs against the worst team in baseball. But he still got the win. And more importantly, he nearly hit for the cycle. Like, came within a few feet on a warning track fly ball in the late innings of hitting for the cycle. And for me, it's just, that's Shohei Otani showing off all of his Tungsten Armo Doyle superpowers in one game. Like, Otani having games like that is what makes baseball fun. It's what makes the Angels fun. It's what, you know gets the Angels near the top of the rundown on SportsCenter because fans are interested in the history he's making seemingly every time he goes on the field. Um, it It's just everything, you know, every reason the Angels should want to keep Otani for the rest of his life is that game. Yeah. He's pitching, he gets the win on offense. It all revolves around him. It was just everything Otani bundled up into one game. What I found most impressive about that game was, I mean, listen, we all throw out through, through the first three innings that he was going to throw a perfect game and maybe even hit for the cycle at the same time. I mean, he, he dominated the first time through the order, and then somehow, without even recording it out in the, in the fourth inning, he allowed five runs. I mean, he, I think there may have been a brief pitch comm issue or something happened that threw him off. He's lost all control. Um, allowed two home runs, which, you know, he had allowed two home runs in five pitches. His last home run allowed before that was, like, in August. You know what I mean? So he had been, he had gone, like, thousands of pitches without allowing a home run, and then he goes five pitches between allowing two. And so, but what I was most impressed off of that performance was how he kind of just, I was like, okay, I'm done being bad at this. Like, I, and then he just went, he went through, you know, uh, three more innings and was, was good. I mean, he was, he gave the team a chance to win and, and, you know, and again, the bullpen almost, coughed it up they held on for an 8-7 win against the A's which is you know you can't lose that game let's be honest um Mm -hmm. and I agree with you it's just cool you know every time I watch him play you know you just kind of have to especially pitch and hit at the same time you have to appreciate it and the coolest part about I mean you know he's 
you know, he played the night before. I mean, he had a home run the night before, like 12 hours, and then he's got out on the mound the next day, and then, you know, they get on a flight, and he's playing the next day in Milwaukee. It's just, that's that's the stuff I pe- think people really take for granted, is how hard it is to play right. the day after you pitch, or even play the day before you pitch. I mean, when they played in New York, he had a game the next day in Angel Stadium, and most guys would fly home, would fly home early for that, uh, but not him. You know, obviously he can't, and, and he wouldn't, and uh, that's just kind of the way he's uh, he's built. It's impressive. Right. It's absurd. I know we're human. I know it's easy to take things for granted that we see every single day. But just a friendly reminder, if you feel like you've been doing that with Otani for a day, a week, whatever, zoom back in, be back on the ground, realize you get to watch perhaps the greatest player ever do his thing on yeah. your team. And, and that's pretty cool. And the cool and the crazy, I mean, you just, and I hate to be a downer, but you know, you don't know how much Tommy's going to be on this team for. I mean, if you're an Angels fan and it's like, you know, it is just, it's appreciated. It's not a, it's not yeah. a dire comment here. I mean, I don't necessarily think they have the greatest chances of retaining him, uh, especially if they're not going to be like a, you know, in the playoffs. I really think it'd be tough, but you still have five months under contract of watching Shohei Otani play every day. And I, I would just advise Angels fans to appreciate it for what you have, for, for as long as you have it. Cause it's, it's, uh, it's just so cool and it's, it's really fun. And, you know, I love doing it and, and, um, before we kind of go over here, I think we got to get to the uh, to the lowlights. What was, what's yours, Connor? Uh, my lowlight for Angels fans was very much a highlight for me. Um, <laughs> it was a couple weeks ago, Yankee Stadium, Angels in town, and in the first inning, Shohei Otani hits a rocket to deep center field. I am sitting with a couple friends out in the bleachers, and Otani's ball sends Aaron Judge straight back to the wall in dead center. And from my vantage point in the bleachers, all I could look at was the center field wall. And I just see Judge's glove elevate over the wall. You see the ball slip in the pocket. And then all of a sudden it pops out for a second. And then it disappeared below the wall, out of our field of view. Had no idea what happened. Just heard the roar of the crowd. And I assumed, rightly, that the ball popped out and he must have caught it. And that's exactly what happened. And not only that, he came up, Judge came up in the bottom of the first inning and hit a home run of his own. Robbed one, hit one. I mean, that was, you know, seeing Aaron Judge's superpowers at, you know, full strength. And to have that come against, uh, you know, Shohei Otani, a superhero in his own right. Incredibly cool to see as a baseball fan. Unfortunate for Angels fans. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can all put our allegiances aside for, you know, a few fleeting moments every season and appreciate uh something really cool like that happened well they did lose an extra inning so that is a low light because they could have used that probably um but yeah i mean listen i i I always find these these games uh yankees against the uh, angels especially when it comes down to like you know tawny against judges just to me it's almost kind of comical because the angels go to new york and all of a sudden like you know mlb networks hyping this up if you looked at the bottom of their you know, uh, uh, TV screen. Yeah, their yeah their ticker. It says like Otani versus Judge. We come first off. I'm like, well, it's Mike Trout must be like, well, what happened to me? <laughs> Those are the two <laughs> center fielders. I mean, um, and the other part of it is like, it just feels like sometimes the Angels don't exist until they go to New York. <laughs> like all of the like, sure. yeah, like these these guys are doing what they're doing, and then it and then suddenly the world's watching once they're there, and it's. I mean, and, and that's fair to some extent. I mean, you play on that stage, it means a little bit more, but it's also kind of silly sometimes. So that's the way I look at it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean that was a. I think that was a cool moment. I think anybody can recognize Otani hitting. A home. I mean, these two guys were the MVP 
finalist last year and you know Otani gets a home run or would be home run and Judge robs it it's that's good baseball I mean you have to believe Rob Manfred is in his office drooling it's like ah this is great highlight fodder or whatever highlight fodder that we can hopefully not manipulate to make it look like any different um but we'll get to that in a moment uh (laughs) but uh uh, my low light, uh, I'll just quickly, uh, just the last week, I mean, the Angels allowed five runs in the ninth to, uh, to the Royals. And, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is it's just, again, I think it encapsulates certain things that this, this team needs to clean up. It's, you know, that can't happen. The Royals have a bad offensive team. The fact that they were able to, uh, you know, the Angels were able to get a two-run lead in the bottom of the eighth on a Matt Dice homer. You know, it's a big moment for him. He's really struggled to start the year. Hits this humongous home run. You think that's going to be a defining moment for him, maybe for the Angels this season, and all that, and then all of a sudden, boom, five runs for the Royals. You know, it was uh, it was just ugly. It's just, that's the kind of stuff like, that has plagued them. It's it's not that their bullpen's bad, it's that it's bad in the worst moments. You know, it's it's it feels like they kind of get to the, this point and they can't close it out so often this year. Uh, and, and, you know, this, that just, that needs to change. I mean, there are, there are other things that have happened this year that I think can kind of, you know, highlight that same point. But uh, I'm using that moment just because it's probably the most, one of the more recent uh, collapses, and um, I think it was just the ugliest. So there have been some really bull- good things for this team this year. There have been some bad ones, and that was a bad one. The bullpen is timely in the worst way. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And, you know, there's some signs that maybe that they've kind of figured a couple things out, like how to use some guys. Like Estevez looks really good recently in the closers role. I think there's, you know, that's if that turns into something legit, uh, then, hey, I mean, you might have... A, bit of an easier situation on your hands it looks like matt moore could be like a kind of a setup man given how just he's been under the radar really good for the angels so um they've got that's they've how, got the that's how winning teams are built they have anonymous relievers that fly under the radar until the playoffs come on in october and you see a guy's stat lines for a season and you're like oh well that's how they got here yeah i mean matt moore is getting paid seven million so he's not like totally anonymous but uh True. you know they have, but they've got some guys like Andrew Wance. I think is one of those anonymous guys. He's not like necessarily closing games, but I mean, I don't, you know, he's allowed a couple, run, one, two runs this whole year. He's been really, really good. Uh, so there's there there are guys there that are you know are stepping up. I think, and that there's the makings of a good bullpen there if they can just figure out how to close out certain games that have been in Achilles' heel so far. Um, but that'll uh, that'll wrap up this part of the segment. We're gonna go now to our our kind of our bonus. Uh, Bonus box. Bonus box. Maybe we should get this sponsored. Um, But, uh, yeah, we're going to talk not Angels. We're going to talk A's. And uh, the reason I want to talk A's is because in the last couple weeks, obviously, we've learned that the A's intend to move their operations to Las Vegas. And in the process, they're just screwing over their fans. Um, It's it's really, I mean, to me, it's just, it's it's shameless. It's sad. And, I mean, listen, these things are never going to be clean. You know, they're not going to, you know, fans are never going to be happy when their team moves, and I understand that, but it just feels like the way this is this has been handled, where they basically have, you know, almost, f- like, f- fallen apart and sp- to spite their fans almost, or to yeah. to make them not want to show up so they can, you know, then move the operation to a different city is just grotesque, and I'm glad that the Angels, that A's fans are out there protesting, and that yeah. they're, uh, they're showing their, um, they're having their voices heard. They've even considered, I've read, uh, A's fans coming together. It's like a counterintuitive protest where instead of boycotting the games, it's like a de-boycott where actually they all go to the Coliseum. And, you know, you could fit tens of thousands of people in that, you know, giant cement cereal bowl. And they intend to fill it up just to show John Fisher, the A's owner, 
and management that like, we're here, look at us. Where are you going? Why have you been negotiating in bad faith for so many years, just bouncing from one stadium site to the other? They've gotten so far along seemingly on, you know, the Howard Terminal site where they intended previously to build a stadium in Oakland. And my view on it, completely out of the know, is that the A's decision to announce that they have bought land in Las Vegas is kind of just the last nuclear option uh, in terms of negotiating tactics that was left on the table. They pressed the bright red button and said, screw it, we're going to announce that we bought land in Las Vegas. It seems inevitable at this point that they'll move um to nevada it's not quite that easy they still have to get hundreds of millions of dollars in public funding that they're asking for maybe they'll get it but if they don't they're still going to have their hands tied and uh, nothing about this has been clean to sam's point and that's a great way to put it like a team leaving a city it's never going to go the quote-unquote right way um but this is it's pretty disgusting and i feel really bad for the people of oakland who have not only lost the warriors to San Francisco and their new arena. They lost the Raiders to Vegas, and now it seems they're going to lose the A's. Um, it's really sad because as someone who grew up in the Bay Area, there's more than enough fandom to go around to have this be a two-team market in baseball and football. Um, so it's really sad, and it's a shame, and I hope somehow things work their way out. But the whole situation has just been played out as gross as possible. Yeah, I mean, that it's... I mean, even, I mean, we were just talking off before, I mean, about the, uh, the, uh, the highlight. The, a lot of A's fans went to the game on a Friday night and in protest, and they had, you know, I mean, I think if you ever watch A's games, you'll notice that a lot of times fans will have signs up in right field over that kind of overhang, um, usually supporting players or whatever it might be. But they they basically were out there. Well, just all the signs said sell, sell the team, team yeah. and stay. Yeah, yeah, and that's because these fans. I mean, if you ever go to an A's game, I, which I highly recommend doing. I know their ballpark is is bad, you know, but their fans make it really fun, in my opinion. They're, it's an ex- it, it is an unforgettable experience. Yeah. However, you want to define unforgettable, because it's loyal. I mean, those fans are really loyal. Like it's good. It's good baseball fans. Like that's to me. You know, that's the measurement of a good fan base. It's not necessarily if you're going to have 2,000 people there or, you know, uh, 50,000. If the fans, if you know that they're knowledgeable and they're good fans, like, and that's what A's fans have, the A's have, it, it's, this is just cruel. And, and so, yeah, we were referencing that, that moment where these, you know, the, these people are protesting and there's a home run to that area. And the next morning, uh, I'm not sure who first pointed it out, but it was noticed that the highlight that was posted on MLB.com, the you know obviously the the website owned by Major League Baseball was edited to be cropped basically just to see the flight path of the ball and you could not see the signs, and it's just like you know if you're gonna make these decisions, don't then like you know use your propaganda tools to to whitewash them. It's just oh. it's it's awful. Yeah. It, it really it it really it pisses me off. Uh, it does. You know, I mean, there are plenty. I mean, I co- we cover the Angels. We talk about them every day. And Artie Moreno has a lot to answer for, and he's certainly, uh, I think you could put him in the bottom echelon of of owners in the way that he's operated and decisions that have been made that I think impact a lot of people in the organization and just the overall ability to win. But I will say this for Artie: he would not do this. At least I don't think this is this is a new low. I mean, it's just it's just. Not necessarily the the uh, deleting the video or whatever, but just what's happening in Oakland. I mean, it's a special type of crap. Right. Mismanagement doesn't even to begin describe what is going on with the A's 
and their bad faith negotiations with, you know, multiple cities, multiple states, all while putting a bargain basement, and that might be being kind, roster uh, out on the field. I mean, the A's are so bad, and it's easy to get carried away in superlatives. People are always already throwing out. They could be the worst team ever. I mean, they could, they could be. be. The odds would say they probably won't be, but, like, you never know. Things have a way of evening themselves out, and maybe the A's are the exception. Maybe the A's will not even out, and they'll lose 130 games and go down as, you know, a black mark, not only for the franchise, but all of baseball. This is not this is not a good look for baseball. It's certainly not a good look for the A's, but for Rob Manfred to allow his sport to have this situation fester for as long as it has, and it certainly did under Bud Selig, so it's not all on Rob Manfred, but... um. And then to have something like a highlight be manipulated, I mean, it's just, people are not stupid. It is insulting to fans. Everything that has happened with the A situation and just add the edited video on the 10,000 page bullet list of insulting things that the A's have done and baseball have done to A's fans. So there's no real way to put a proper bow on this. There's no solution incoming. I hope the A's don't leave, but, um, they're certainly doing everything they can to divorce themselves from Oakland, whatever that means. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I want to say on this is, I mean, if you go to Oakland games, like, you'll see their big sign outside of their stadium. It says, Rooted in Oakland, which obviously has a you know a tinge of irony to it. I mean, they are, a tinge? I guess, a, you know, it they're no longer rooted. It is an ironic statement. Uprooted <laughs> in uh, at Oakland now. But, I mean... You know what's going to happen? I mean, they got the, the stadium supposedly that, that will be built in in Las Vegas. It won't be ready till twenty seven. I mean, what are they, they? They've got two bad options, in my opinion. One is to just be a you know a lame duck team playing out these final years in Oakland, where they're clearly not going to be very competitive, and they're not trying to be very competitive. Or you could go and play your games maybe at the AAA facility in Las Vegas, which is a good facility, but it's it's a minor league AAA facility, and you're also going to be bringing along with you a pretty bad product. Uh, and so what is this how you want to introduce yourself to that market and to that fan base, you know, playing games in a triple-A field with possibly the worst record in the league? So it, it, they've got two bad options, um, and that could be kind of, you know, lasting for several years here. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bad situation. And, uh, you know, for uh, just remind yourself, Angels fans, if you're listening to this still after 42 minutes, that as bad as it feels, it, you're, you're not, your team is not being uprooted, and they're not going to be, uh, you know, losing 120 games I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot more lowlights of the month if that's where the season yeah. ends up. But uh, yeah. we'll see. I don't want we'll those famous last words. I did. I, I maybe I, I was mentioning to somebody the other day. I said we did. I did predict that James Outman would have 35 home runs for the Dodgers this year on our first podcast. I think, and now he's at seven after one month. So we'll see what happens on that. Maybe that'll turn out to be a crazy prediction that came true. So I, I don't think the Andrews are going to lose 120, but if they do, we'll be here through all of it. And if they don't, we'll still be here. So. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in here for episode five. We'll be back soon with another one. And again, as I said at the beginning, please go like our uh, our you know page, subscribe to it, and and give us five stars if you feel so inclined. We'd appreciate it immensely. And uh, yeah, take care.